This is For the Neighborhoods and Nations, a podcast for the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. My name's Brian Biedenbach, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Fetters. Hi, Brian. For this season of the podcast, we're diving into a series of conversations focused on the eight core values that serve to define and unite United Brethren churches around the world. In today's conversation, we're discussing the value of preserving our Christian witness. Let's jump into it. Todd, we're sitting down again to record. I enjoy these conversations, and our first couple episodes just aired. You know, the last couple of weeks, how are you feeling about this? I, I'm enjoying the conversations. I'm always, uh, I always pause when I have to listen to myself, and uh, <laughs> hopefully after listening to about two or three episodes, uh, I'm, I'm learning that there are some things in my communication style that can get better. Yeah, you know, I think that's something I've learned over the years, too, about myself. I've learned to be a better communicator behind a mic and even live in front of an audience because I have to hear myself over and over and over. So while it's, you know, you can be a little apprehensive listening, there's definitely some some good that can come out of it, right? Yeah, I think so. And I've appreciated the work that you've done, Brian, in the production side of this that's been really helpful, and I think it's showing up in podcasts that are straightforward. And uh, you know, to me, what's important is that they are they're brief. Yeah, I think that's always helpful. That is always helpful. Sometimes we have a tendency to ramble in these conversations, and it's fun that we can have the ability to cut them down for the the sake of the podcast. Absolutely, for sure. <laughs> yes. So uh, on that note, let's stop rambling. Let's jump into this core value today. We're talking about core value number five, which again, the summary statement says that we preserve our Christian witness. And there's a lot to that. I think there's a lot packed into that. So we wanted to kind of today break it down into some of the statements that you can read through the rest of that core value in the in the paragraph that describes it. And the first one that I, I wanted to hit on is that it was the first sentence there that says, we believe that our lifestyles need to reflect God to other people. I wanted to turn it over to you to kind of unpack that sure. statement for us. So two things come to mind. One, this is not an unreasonable ask. And the second thing that comes to mind, it's not an impossible task. So those things rhyme. They, that's it's catchy. A, yeah, it is catchy. But it's not kitschy in the yeah. sense of meaning. It's it's really helpful to understand that this is not an unreasonable ask, and particularly for people who've responded to the good news of Jesus Christ, they've received his forgiveness of sins and the promise of new life that's not just for here and now, but will extend into all eternity. So again, for someone who has given us such a great gift and gifts, this isn't unreasonable. I think of the Apostle Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow the, the example I've set for you as I follow Christ. That's what that reminds me of is that we're reflecting God to other people, just as Paul was saying to, to those he was writing to. An important biblical theme, right? Because throughout Old Testament, even in the New Testament, God has said, be holy as I am holy. Be different as I'm different. Be separate as I am separate. Be set apart as I am set apart. Now, clearly, God's holiness rises to a whole new level Sure. than we are going to ever attain. But still, it's not an unreasonable ask uh, to. And to it's almost an expectation. Holy. Yeah. 
I mean, it is an expectation. Yeah, the way you just laid it out, it's an expectation. So you had a a passage from Titus that, as we talked beforehand, that you kind of related this to. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Well, before I get to that, let me just kind of lay out the the task side of the oh, yeah. those two statements. So one, it's not an unreasonable ask. Second, it's not an impossible task. And and why I think of that, while the while the standard sounds high, be holy as I am holy, we are given help for the task. And the task, the help comes from the inside out. Whereas not only are we giving, been given forgiveness for our sins and eternal life, new life that is, that is eternal, but it's also being worked out on this side of eternity. And it's being worked out with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. That is the incredible good part of, of the good news, is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's exalting Christ in us. He's also equipping Christ's character in us. So we're talking about a witness, preserving a witness that is coming from internal transformation. It's not that just we just receive Jesus as, or surrender ourselves to Jesus for the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. It's for the purpose of also becoming witnesses of who God is, what God has done, well, what God has done and who God is. So I want people to understand, yeah, the, the ask isn't unreasonable by God. It's an expectation. The task is not impossible because he himself has invested and indwelled us through his spirit. Uh, I think of John chapter 14, 23, if anyone loves me, my father and I will come and make our home in their heart. And that's, you know, reference to the, to the Trinity. Loving, loving Christ, the Father will then come and live through the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit inside our hearts. So, folks, we, we can do this. Yeah. We are to do this. And we're not expected to do it all by ourselves. God himself is invested through the Holy Spirit to make this happen. And to me, that's good news. Now, the second form of help that we have is the Scripture. Scripture, and and I'm not comparing one to the other, and you know, saying one's more important than the other. I'm a word and spirit guy, and I think it's incredibly important because the Spirit's not going to be asking me to do anything that is inconsistent with the Holy Scriptures. And so the Holy Scriptures guide me; they inspire us to understand what is the character of God, what is expected of me, and we want to we want to live that out. And so the Scriptures are incredibly helpful. And a third gift that we have is the church, where we have brothers and sisters who, who model for us. We have church history that can inspire us. And so God is particularly good in helping make sure that this task isn't impossible uh, for us to be able to reflect his goodness. Yeah. Now, getting to what you were talking about uh, out of Titus, uh, when I think of about our Christian witness, I, the word good comes to my mind, right? So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's forming Christ in us. Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Right. There's nine yep. characteristics to the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the characteristics is goodness. It comes from the Greek root word agathos, meaning good. Yeah. And what that means is something that is morally blameless, it would it would be used in context to doctrine, doctrinally right, doctrinally pure. It, it would reference ethically, uh, ethically good. 
something that's beneficial. Okay. Right? Something that's beneficial. And um, I think of a, a passage out of Titus, uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1. It starts this way. Remind your people to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good, agathos, to be morally blameless, to be uh, socially beneficial, to be ethically good, in the church doctrinally pure. Uh, they must not speak evil of anyone. They must all avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Now, I always love Paul. Paul always comes back to remind <laughs> us, you know, the depths from which we've come. Right. Because in verse 3, he says, once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, we were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires, evil pleasures. Our lives were full of in evil and envy. We hated others and they hated us. Yeah. Right? I think, you know, I, I want you to continue because yep. I'm, I'm curious where you're going with that. But I, I do think I just wanted to stop there because I think we forget that sometimes. Yes. And Paul is always good to remind us and to put himself out there as I'm, I'm the chief of all yes. sinners. Right. And so he even models this for us. Right. And so I, I think to to live this out and to be a, a a reflection of God to this world, I think we have to remember what He's saved us from and brought us out of. So I just wanted to like highlight that moment because I think it's so easy to forget. I think we might have done this in a previous episode where it's it's like, folks, it it does not hurt us to be reminded of what we once were and what we are today. And I think of the classic hymn. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Well, there's probably a characteristic that you can recall that would have been a chief characteristic in your identity mm -hmm. that the Lord transformed. Right. And you're not that anymore. Right. You know, you think of Paul, I once was a murderer, and now, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a proclaimer of that which gives life to people. Right. And I love that. And, and even here in verse 3, Paul says, he doesn't say once you were. He says once we too were. And and then we get to uh, verse 4, which is always good, but then God, right? That's always, that's three words that's just amazing, but of, then God. One of my favorite phrases in all the scripture. Yep. But then God, our Savior, showed us his kindness and love. He saved us not because of good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. And he declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit an eternal life. So everything I've just said regarding the it's not an unreasonable ask, it's not an impossible task, is all summed up right there. Now, when we get to this issue of goodness, I've already said that one of the words is agathos, which means beneficial. It means beneficial because of more being morally blameless, right. ethically good, doctrinally pure. In verse 8, it's interesting, he bookends with a, a, the word good, but it's a different Greek word. And he says, these things I've told you are all true. I want you to insist on them so that everyone who trusts in God will be careful to do good deeds all the time. Now, that's, that's agathos again, but then he concludes it with, these things are good and beneficial for everyone, and that word good is kalos. And what that means is something that is aesthetically pleasing. Okay. So think of your senses. 
you know, that which smells good, you know, mm-hmm. chocolate cake cooking, <laughs> that which feels pleasant, you know, cashmere sweater, that which sounds pleasant, you know, um, somebody who's singing in the right key. Yeah. Or this podcast. Or this podcast could be aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. Yes. So that's so so what I want individuals to see is we think about preserving our Christian witness and we think of this word good in the in the shades of meaning that Paul would give us with both Agathos and Kalos, is that our goodness is to be beneficial and beautiful. Mm, I like that. Profitable, useful. And pleasing, pleasing to the senses. Okay. In a sense. So, give me an example of what that looks like: beneficial and beautiful, like like together. Yeah. Okay. So, th- several years ago, I was driving back from a town um, north of here. So I was on a major interstate, I sixty nine. Okay. I was driving back to Huntington, and so I'd be in the right, the right uh, lane going southbound coming into the outskirts of Fort Wayne. So I'm at the north side of Fort Wayne, and my tire blows out. That's and, never good. Nope, never good. <laughs> and um, I did have a warning light on in my car that told me one of my tires was low, but here's the problem with that. Uh, I don't know which one. Now, granted, it's only one of four, but I'm probably not the only <laughs> one who thought, hey, I probably can make it. I can make it. Yeah. I can make it. I couldn't make it. Were you also on E? That's how no, it usually goes in our family. No, I was actually, um, I was fine on gas. But where I had to pull over immediately was in that, that V section between the right lane going southbound and the on-ramp. A dangerous spot to yep. be. So I was, I was like cars coming on both sides. And, you know, anybody who's been in that situation would understand you're, you're a bit flustered. Sure. You know, it doesn't happen every day. So you really don't know what the routine is. You hope you got, it was a newer car. So I'm not sure I even knew what kind of tire I had or what kind of jack I was going to be using. Or where to look for it a lot of times. Right. <laughs> so, of course, I went to the trunk. I found, I found the, the donut tire. And I found the jack. And fortunately, some some good Samaritan pulled up right behind me, got out, never introduced himself, <laughs> uh, and said, Do you need help? And I'm like, okay. And he grabbed he grabbed the jack and went to work. And in minutes, you know, the tire's on, it's it's fixed into place. The uh, the jack is is put back where it needs to be. The bad tire's thrown in the trunk. He's on his way. I say thank you. He didn't accept any money for it, <laughs> and I went on my way. How does that tie into it? Yeah, because for most of us, a jack, a car jack, we'll accept it's beneficial. Right. It's also really beautiful when you need it. Yep. And and so was the individual, right? I could have met that guy in some other circumstances, but because he was coming to help me, it, it was the convergence of both Agathos and Kalos. It was the, the 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 presence of someone who was there to benefit, someone who was going to be incredibly useful in a in a and because of the crisis situation it was in, it was also very beautiful to me that help that was coming. And I feel like that's an important part of who we are as believers in preserving our Christian witness is that we are beneficial, particularly to the truth about 
overcoming sin. And we are beautiful as we are transformed over time by the Holy Spirit, uh, through the counsel of the Word, through the encouragement and accountability of brothers and sisters in Christ. We become these beautiful people who are incredibly beneficial in, uh, in, in, the, in our neighborhoods, in the places where we live, work, learn, and play. So that's, that's how I see the two words coming yeah. together. No, I think that's good. And I think the—and not to keep circling back around this, because I know there's more we have to get to, but yeah. part of that being aesthetically pleasing comes out of the moral goodness and the consistency yes. of living that way. So that when when there is a time, when there is a crisis, or, or there is a need, that you someone can see the consistency and go, oh, now, you know, this is beautiful now, because it's it's been beneficial this whole time and I didn't see it. And so it's the recognition of that that comes from that consistent consistent living. And, and Brian, sometimes all you need to do is say a person's name. Right. And you'll have an internal sense very quickly, beneficial and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Or not. Yeah. But, you know, typically that's just, over time, it's amazing how God can turn us uh, from from what we once were to who who we are now and who he needs us to be for the purpose of uh, I think this is first uh, Peter for the purposes of sharing the good news and showing the goodness of God. Yeah. That's what we're reflecting. Right on. Is the goodness of God. And he's called us to be holy as he is holy because the stakes are high. We're pointing to a good God who gives good gifts. And and is able to transform people uh, into into goodness. Right on. Well, I want to move us on to the next statement that we have here within this core value that says, while we resist legalistic rules, we value a lifestyle which clearly honors Christ in the eyes of others, both Christians and non-Christians. And where my head goes as I read that statement is to 1 Corinthians 10, when Paul is writing the passage, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. So there's that word beneficial again. I don't know in the Greek if it's the same word or not. But then he goes on and says, you say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And so I see this blend of we have freedom, but we have responsibility too. And in this freedom, we want to honor that freedom. And this takes me back to this phrase of we resist legalistic rules but we recognize that there's a freedom and a responsibility that we have to balance that honors Christ in this. So I'm curious, my question in, in all of this is, what do we do on issues where Scripture isn't specifically directive, which I think is kind of what Paul's getting at in this passage to the Corinthians? Yeah, I like that Paul has this verse in there. It, it gives us a bit of category to consider when we're considering a behavior, an attitude, a thought, an action. One of, the, one of the phrases, one of the principles in our discipline, in the U.S. discipline, say, states, we stand on biblical absolutes, we allow freedom where the Bible allows it, and we maintain unity when disagreements arise. So a couple things come to mind. We are word and spirit people, and they aren't going to contradict each other. Right. It doesn't mean it's always easy to mine or glean, right? Sure. And so that takes that takes work. And that's where it's also the church is helpful. 
because we have those models, we have those examples right. of showing us the way of living like Christ. We have the Spirit who's guiding and directing us. And so where the Bible is somewhat less directive than maybe we had hoped or desired, I find that um, there, there will be wisdom for the situation, for, for the circumstances that present themselves. One of the things, though, I would also say about our discipline that I appreciate is I appreciate that where the scriptures are less directive and yet where we have, we have certainly a desire for how we are to um, act publicly, socially, uh, privately, we, we, have, we have sentiments clearly in our discipline and our membership standards, family standards, social standards, personal standards that are, are more directive because the Bible is more directive. And where it's not as directive, we are careful to say things like we urge. Okay. Right? So I'm thinking of, of a couple of those, you know, when it comes to alcohol, we urge individuals to avoid the use of beverage alcohol. We urge individuals to avoid the use of tobacco. We urge individuals to avoid the practice of gambling. And when it comes to uh, peace and war, we urge our leaders to pursue peace as a default, not a default toward war. And so these are ways in which we put out our desires for how we would want to move forward, believing that these things do have uh, present detriments to society sure. when uh, and to the person's life uh, and well-being and to the person's testimony if gone unchecked. Yeah, and that reminds me too, my, the, you, you mentioned the word wisdom, and so I go to Ephesians 5, uh, where Paul says, be care- very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So there's something in here about seeking wisdom yeah. as well in those maybe gray areas, in those spaces where it's not specifically directive. How do we pursue wisdom? Again, I'm, I'm grateful for the thinkers in our denomination who thought through a categorical listing or a list of eight guidelines to help individuals develop their personal convictions in those moments where the the Bible is less directive. Now, the Bible can speak into those things as well as the Holy Spirit, and I'm grateful for these eight guidelines. So, Brian, I just want to share with you those. Sure. Uh, individuals can find those on our website by clicking on to our documents, which has our discipline, and and look at the chapter on personal convictions. Yeah, we'll put that link right in the That'd be great. episode description so, so it's easy access. So when the Bible would be less directive, and we're still seeking, what is God's will in this? One, pray for guidance. Again, this is where the Holy Spirit, as our internal prayer partner and internal transformer, is amazing. Seems to be a great place to yep. start. Pray for guidance. Second, study all biblical passages related to the issue. So if you're if you're just not sure what is the topic, and a Bible has a concordance, uh, mm-hmm. you can you can a lot of times find that word. A Google search of that word, you know, how's this word in the Bible? Uh, you'll find is God for it? Is God against it? You know, generally. Sure. When is God for or when is God against it may be part of the conversation. But study all biblical passages related to the issue. Third, review the laws of the land regarding the issue. You know, is there something in the law 
that prohibits this uh, or allows it. Number four, seek counsel of mature Christians. That's where the church comes in. Oh my gosh, here we are again. We're back to the church, right? The church, it's brothers and sisters in the Lord who can give some good guidance and they can give anecdotal evidence of, hey, here's what I thought in this circumstance, and this is how it worked out for me. And then in another circumstance, I chose differently, and and this is why. Such good wisdom available to us uh, among the saints who also are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and striving to live by the guidance of the Scriptures. So there's some really good resource in our brothers and sisters in Christ around us. Number um, five, uh, a fifth category would be carefully weigh and consider current scientific and medical evidence regarding an issue. And I think okay. that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Particularly, though, we live in a day and age where the where you know science and medicine is changing at light speed. Oh, you know, every lots day. of every day, and so so you know, stay on top of those those kinds of things. A, a sixth category: consider any harmful effect your action may have on others. Okay, now this gets to my favorite <laughs> definition of spiritual formation. And what's that? Being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's not for my self-actualization. Yeah. It is for the sake of other people. And this is what preserving Christian witness is all about. It is about showing the goodness of God through our words, deeds, and actions. And so I've got to consider, love calls me to consider, will my engagement on this activity, will my decision on this situation, will it be harmful to someone else? I need to take that into consideration under the wise counsel of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a second, a seventh category, consider any harmful effect of your action may have on your own testimony. So is this going to reflect poorly on the God who I claim to be my Lord, the one to whom I've surrendered? the one who is my authority, the one to whom I will give an answer on my final day. Yeah. That one for me has always been a tricky one because if I'm not careful, I can allow that to make me very legalistic, which says this is what we avoid as a community, as a denomination. But for me, any little thing I can go, my head can go to, that'll hurt my witness, that'll hurt my witness, that'll hurt my witness without consulting, you know, the Holy Spirit without consulting scripture. So uh, that I just wanted to interject there. That's always been a tricky one for me. I, I appreciate that because it does present a bit of a challenge that, that, you know, I could lean into some legalism because I've set up these real strict parameters for my life. Right. But again, we're talking about that, which is, you know, less directive in the Bible and, and so there are certain things that I need to be very, very careful about. You need to be very, very right. careful about, given just who we are as as persons mm-hmm. and f- fallen persons, right. and persons who are vulnerable to sin because the old the old man in us is still somewhat active, right? And and uh, so that's that's. That's important for us to keep in mind. Yeah, but not to take that and the stuff that I might say, like I have to stay away from these things or do these things, not to take that 
and put it on you and say, you can't do these right. things and you can't say these things and you can't whatever. That's where the, the legalism comes into play. Perfect clarification, right? Yeah. Where I project all my faults onto you. Right. And then legalism we know. I mean, one of the deep downsides of legalism is the 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 chance to be hypocritical. Right. You know, and uh, that's that's not good for anyone. An eighth category is if in doubt, after all of this stuff, after after going through praying, studying, reviewing the laws of the land, seeking counsel of Christians, carefully weighing science and medicine, care you know, considering the harmful effect on others or on your testimony. If still in doubt, act according to your conscience, but continue developing your convictions. That's good. We've we're always in a state of of growth. Growth in our knowledge, growth in our transformation, growth in our sanctification. We're always in a state of dynamic growth. And society is dynamic and it's changing. I don't think there's ever going to be a day, Brian, where you or I are going to have this perfected. <laughs> right. Therefore, we've got to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We've got to have the scriptures guiding us, and we've got to have the believers alongside us who can encourage us, hold us accountable, support us, love us well, speaking the truth in love all of those good things that we need from the people around us. Yeah. Todd, that's so good. I a couple things just in summary. I enjoyed this conversation about preserving our Christian witness. I think there's a lot that, you know, our scriptures have to say about what this looks like and how we live and how we pursue wisdom and we summarized all that. But the other thing that stands out to me about our conversation is you're quite the poet. <laughs> <laughs> we we started with a little bit of a rhyme scheme and you yeah. ended there with a little bit of a rhyme scheme. So I don't know if you knew you had that talent, but I really appreciate that about you. I am a, uh, for 25 years, I was a preacher. So I'm not, <laughs> the concept of alliteration is not foreign to me. <laughs> and the uh, the desire to be, to, to have ways in which people can remember is is not a, a tool that I'm opposed to using. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. So, Gabe, uh, we, I, there's plenty for us to to think back on, reflect on, and remember in this episode. Uh, again, appreciated the conversation, Todd. Next time, in next week's episode, we're talking about the core value of that says we protect the family. Looking forward to that conversation, Brian. For sure. Can't wait. Mm-hmm.